Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome back to The Authentic Wife Show. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. My guest is Sandy Johnston, a survivor of domestic abuse that became life-threatening for herself and for her children. Sandy speaks up about domestic abuse, and she's on a mission to help women put their safety first by taking the steps to break free from abusive relationships by getting the right support. I really appreciate her vulnerably sharing her story today, and I'm sure that some of you can relate. If you are trying to leave an abusive relationship, you can call 1-800-799-7233 or text the word START to 88788 and they will connect you with the support and help that you need. Thank you for listening and thank you for being you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. We've had to adjust for the different time zones because you're in, in Australia, right? So- I am. I'm all the way over here and I'm even in an opposite season to you so it's not just the time difference that we're contending with over there you're going into spring Spring. yeah (laughs) technically spring in Ohio it's it's winter forever but yeah 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 but here we're you know sort of getting towards the end of our summer and getting ready to go into fall so it's all quite different here where I live and there's probably you know some cultural differences too but then there's also like tons of similarities between you know our cultures in our countries I think yeah I think that you and New Zealand are a little more evolved than we are here I really admire those two countries so I'm I love to talk to people from there I wish it was easier to connect but very good I'm glad that we were able to get together so you help women now find just love and richness in their lives but you specifically help women who might be in an abusive relationship navigate that So I know you've got quite a story. How did you end up doing this work and sharing this message? Well, a great way to be empathetic with people to really understand what's going on for them is to have experienced that thing firsthand yourself. And that's certainly true for me. And uh, I think I was always looking I was a hopeless romantic and just looking for that happily ever after and I thought that it would happen the first time that I fell into you know a relationship with a serious relationship with somebody and and we said let's tie the knot and I thought that would be it until death do us part but you know like many people we 
certainly faced our challenges in that relationship and a lot of stresses came into that relationship that I know we're not alone in but we had my um, then husband was what you would describe as being very litigious so he had some lawsuits that he had against other people and what that did is brought a whole set of stresses into our relationship and it certainly brought a whole lot of stresses in for him which really impacted his behavior and the way that he treated me so he wasn't on an even keel emotionally and he was a bit like Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde where on one hand he would be incredibly loving and generous and and very committed to me and the relationship and that on the other hand he would have these very angry outbursts and and he would lash out at me verbally and and as happens to many women there'd be some degradation going on in those verbal attacks which were you know kind of name calling and putting me down and really making me feel very insecure in myself because I'd given myself like many women do given myself heart and soul to this man to this relationship and you know I had entrusted my heart to this man and had hoped that he would you know honor that and treat me the right way mm-hmm. so what ended up happening is that I ended up walking on eggshells in that relationship so I just didn't know how to put a foot right I just didn't know what I could and couldn't do to to keep him in check and to keep an even keel going on in the way in which we were relating to each other it was just so tumultuous it was really really painful I had a child in that relationship and and I just, I thought I have to stick this out. This is the way I was brought up is that, you know, the way I was raised is that if somebody did something wrong, you forgave them and you turned the other cheek. So you give that person another opportunity and that was what forgiveness represented to me at that time I've got a different take on it these days because these days I believe that people need to take responsibility for their actions and in taking responsibility for their actions it's not just an apology it's actually working on changing that behavior and not repeating a pattern of behavior that is harmful to that person that you inverted commas love so that I had a child, she was the apple of our eye. I went through a very, very intense pregnancy with her where my father became very ill and with mesothemioma, which is the asbestos-related mm-hmm. cancer. And so he his health took a very rapid decline and 
two months prior to me giving birth to my daughter, he passed away. But even earlier on in the relation in that pregnancy, I had been we'd been trying for six months for me to fall pregnant. So we were just on this path of we want this baby, we really want to have a child together, we want to have a family. When I when I fell pregnant, I, I went straight to the obstetrician. And then within a week of having that first appointment with the obstetrician, I started bleeding heavily and, and I was got to the hospital and the hospital confirmed that I was having a miscarriage. So I was just so distraught. I, you know, I had the full DNC, so I was scraped out and I was just beside myself with grief over the thought that I had lost this baby. So I was on this roller coaster for a week of not knowing whether what was going on. I, in my head, I had lost her and I was just kept praying and pleading, begging God please, God, please, all I want is my baby. Please, God, please give me my baby back. Within a week, I got a call from the obstetrician's office and they said, look, we want you to come in and have an ultrasound because there's something very odd that's gone on with the results that have come back from your DNC and we want you to come in and have this ultrasound. I went into the hospital had the ultrasound and the woman who was doing the ultrasound said to me, you have a healthy eight week gestation in your uterus. And I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I was just in absolute, I was dumbfounded, absolutely dumbfounded. But of course I was over the moon excited that somehow when my obstetrician had done the procedure, he'd managed to miss my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and the explanation was that I w- it was a twin pe- pregnancy and that I had lost my twin. So I was on tenterhooks for the rest of that pregnancy, worried because they said there was a tiny nick in the amniotic sac that I was still at risk of losing this baby. I got to full term with her and she ended up being such a light at the end of the tunnel for Mm. my family because my father had just passed away two months earlier. Mm. So that gave the family something really positive to focus on. And, And so there was this huge emphasis on me having this expectation that I should be this fantastic mum and I gave up my career walked away from being a full-time publicist to devote myself full-time to being a mother and that was a choice that my heart was crying out for me to to answer and to do and so I thought that was the right thing to do but it was probably in hindsight a little bit out of balance because all of me was going into my being a mother and all of me was going into my relationship. And I had, I basically lost myself 
in that. And I think I'm not alone mm-hmm. in feeling those types of things when you go into motherhood and when you go into a relationship. So unfortunately, things did not get better between myself and my husband. And they got to a point where I started experiencing anxiety attacks on a daily basis. So every single day, I would have this physical episode come over me where I couldn't get my breath. My heart was beating a million miles an hour. And in those moments, which I never knew how long it was going to last, I did feel like I was dying. Mm -hmm. And my nervous system had just been completely overloaded and it was coming out in this physiological response in me. And I couldn't withstand it. My husband and I went and did some counselling together and all that did unfortunately is bring the issues to the foreground but didn't give any possible pathways for solutions that we could go down Mm -hmm. and I was very hurt and feeling very broken at that time and so I opted out of that marriage which is obviously a really heart-wrenching difficult decision to make but what I did is I projected 10 years into the future and I thought can I sustain this for another 10 years and the answer was no I couldn't so I had to I had to let myself fail in that relationship which was very very difficult to do and My heart was still yearning for that happily ever after with someone. And because I was so emotionally, I guess, overwhelmed by everything that I'd been through, I made some bad choices and I opened myself up to a person who seemed by first appearance to be like very outgoing very charismatic very handsome Uh (laughs) and he was a real he was such a charmer he was like six foot two tall dark and handsome said all the things that I've been longing to hear a man say to me and I fell for him you know hook line and sinker I was just a goner But he ended up being like falling from the frying pan, jumping out of the frying pan and and falling into the fire. That's, That's basically what happened when I bounced from one relationship that had a lot of toxic elements into another one, which was far worse than the one that I had already been in really wow that's a little bit about me but I can't there's so much more with that second relationship that it's it's a book to try and tell you now I could be here with you for a very long time and I know (laughs) that we have only a short time to cover a fair bit of ground and 
what I'd like to do is to be able to talk about anything that you feel might be important that I can highlight from some of those experiences that I had in that second very abusive relationship. Yeah. So that one became more abusive, right? And wasn't your life in danger at some time with him as well? I'm so sorry to hear that you had such a rough go, prayed for that baby and then thought you were losing it, had that miracle, but lost your dad in the meantime. What a hard way to come into motherhood, which is already like impossibly hard. And yeah. And then, you know, quitting your job, I understand, but it sounds like then you're just so devoted into motherhood and that's so common. People totally lose themselves. You were talking about your husband and I do want to go back to some other things, but I just, I don't know if you followed it there, but over here, we have a, a big court case that was for a man in South Carolina, down South of the United States who allegedly, you know, killed his wife and son. I don't know if you've seen this, but he, he was just convicted. The jury came back just like an hour ago and convicted him, said he was guilty, which is, I was excited, but he was facing a bunch of lawsuits and, and problems like that. And people were like, he has no motive, but it's been my experience that men who are stressed out can just go nuts sometimes. And sounds like you saw some of that with the anger. from Absolutely. Your first Look, uh, I think that under pressure, we never know how we're going to behave when we're under pressure. And I'm in no way excusing anything that my ex-husband did or that this man did. Because the thing is, is that when, when we're under pressure, you know, we're as adults and look, I still, I, I can quite honestly say that right this very moment, I'm experiencing this myself and it's and what's happening for me just in this last few days is that I have been a bit sleep deprived. Mm. So I have just struggled with insomnia over the last five days mm. and I know that I don't have the same self-control when I am sleep deprived as I do when I'm well rested. And I I just use that example just to illustrate that, you know, there's so many different things that can influence our behavior. So to expect somebody to be able to behave as they would when they're under an intense amount of pressure there's we're human at the end of the day right and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be held responsible for our behavior we still need to be accountable but there are definitely things that influence these things like in abusive relationships it might be drugs and alcohol that are playing a big part in it it might be financial pressures that are playing a big part in it. There might be extramarital affairs going on that are playing a big part in it. There's other peripheral things going on that will be influencing the type of relationship that you're having with your partner. Absolutely. People are unpredictable. And I think that's when women who are not in abusive relationships struggle because, uh, for example, the husband will be under some stress and get depressed. And then he's just grumpy and they'll say he's negative all the time. What do I do? And it's like, 
That's, that's part of life. You have to just continue to protect yourself and then be empathetic to him and help him get through it. But I want to ask you, so if you look back at either of those relationships, what do you think was the first thing that he did that you wish you had either taken more seriously or responded a little bit differently to you? What do you think was the first thing that was an indication that like even before you were married that you should have walked away okay so relationship number one predisposition from my observation of him in the way that he related to other people where he would get irritable and irate and Mm -hmm. that that was he was already predisposed to behaving like that so I wish that I had have seen that So when we get into a new relationship, we are in this stage of infatuation. When we're in the stage of infatuation, we're looking at the person through rose-coloured glasses. So it means that their imperfections and their flaws, we gloss over them because we're totally seeing everything as being really rosy and We're just seeing the good in that person at that time. And we might notice some negative things, but we really downplay those things at the get-go, unless it's like really out of whack and really obvious. And, you know, you might go, oh, well, no, you know. And at that time, I will also say that I didn't have healthy boundaries. I didn't know what a healthy boundary looked like. So that was another (laughs) another huge factor. But relationship number two, it was he, again, it was a behavioural disposition so he was already predisposed to stalking. So something something happened right at the get-go when we started seeing each other because I had been seeing somebody else leading up to meeting him, which was not going to get serious. And, and so I had to have a conversation with this person who's a really lovely person and let them know that I had met somebody else and that I needed to stop seeing them mm-hmm. uh, because I'd met somebody else. I went on a walk with this person to have this conversation. Later that night when I saw my now ex-partner, who's the second relationship that I'm talking about, I said to him, I said, oh, you know, when I was on that walk, I just really felt like somebody was watching me. I kept, I had the whole time I was on the walk, I had this really strong sense that I was being watched and I kept looking over my shoulder and I looked down the street that we just crossed past and it just wouldn't, I couldn't shake that feeling. So the reason I mentioned that is because you need to pay attention to your gut, your intuition, your intuition is your internal guidance system that something is not right so I already my gut was giving me very clear strong signals that Mm. this was happening I ignored it because he when I told him that he said oh my god you are so clever that you were able to sense that I was watching you oh he confessed to it 
And I didn't see the danger in that. I just took it as him being really keen and I didn't see it as being like alarm bell. This is a danger sign. If he is watching you to see what you're doing, this is not healthy. So that was a very obvious thing. You know, he was very controlling. He was very jealous. And those those indicators were there from the get-go. So every person should have agency over themselves. Yes. So as soon as these tendencies like, like jealousy creep in, that, that is a warning sign. That's, that's not healthy. You should be able to be free to come and go because that person should be able to trust you enough to be able to move freely when we're in relationships we're not owned by the other person and I think that's a very big tendency that happens in relationships is that there's this sense of ownership that comes in after a while when you're in a relationship suddenly I don't know somehow I've got tabs on that person and it that's when it gets into tricky territory when you start feeling that way towards somebody. That's right. Yeah. Before I did this work, I had terrible boundaries and I was the one who was a little bit, I didn't stalk him. Well, he would probably say I did stalk him because I used the thing in my phone, find my phone just so I could see where he was. And I just excused as I have so much anxiety. I want to make sure he's still alive or whatever, but it was a little bit control, like keeping tabs on him. And now I know better, (laughs) but So, you know, I, my take on people who are, have control issues, and I think, you know, I can say I have my own, you know, I'm not saying that the people that I've been in unhealthy relationships, are the only ones who have exhibited controlling behavior, but underneath that, the, the layer that we need to look at is the insecurity, Right. And where where does that insecurity stem from? You know, why do we feel insecure in this way? And that's that's the difficult bit to to look at that and to question yourself about why is it that I have this insecurity at the end of the day? Yes. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, but before I do, I was going to ask you about your past, but before I do, that's such a important point that I hope people pay attention to about trusting your intuition. And I know there's a great book, The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Maybe you've read it, who talks about how women tend to just be nice and not listen to their gut at all and just be people pleasers and keep everybody happy to their own detriment. And that's why we are victimized so much, unfortunately. But when you're talking about insecurity, that's absolutely true. There's so much healing work that can happen. I was wondering if there was anything that as you've been on this journey now, looking back at your past, like maybe your childhood, was there anything that you think kind of put you in this position? Yeah. So it's a thing called learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at we're I have a podcast too. My podcast is called Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, okay? And I named that podcast, I gave it that title because I was one of those people that grew up with that fairy tale expectation of finding Prince Charming 
and of that Prince Charming being the rescuer. And so I had definitely had some issues in my childhood. I was born with some musculoskeletal issues. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I had these like limitations that were very obvious to me and that sort of gave me this, I can do this, I can't do that, and limited me to be not normal, not as capable as perhaps somebody else who was what I deemed to be normal would be. So then I got into this learned helplessness where I felt that the man that I was going to be in a relationship would be my rescuer. Mm. So it would be that chivalrous, you know, knight in shining armour that would come along and would save me when I needed saving. What I didn't pay enough attention to is how good I was at being resourceful and saving myself. So I missed that. And that's the part of me that should have been nurtured when I was a child to help me to understand that I was far more capable than I gave myself credit for. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, my book, the first, first or second chapter of my book, The Authentic Wife is about the fairy tale idea that somebody's coming, Prince Charming's coming to save us. And that's why I was so disappointed in my husband right at the back. So I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? When are you going to like do stuff? <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But he was always honest from day one that it was, you know, all about expectations and he wasn't going to let me have any. So, so then I learned. <laughs> What do you think brings a woman back to an abuser? Like how can she safely quit him for good? Wow, that that is such a monumentally big question because there are so many influencing factors. One of them is that you are both, you're made to feel because of the power and control cycle that goes with, an abusive relationship is that you are made to feel very insecure so you're insecure in yourself you're insecure in your relationship and that bleeds into every area of your life so suddenly you're not sure like about you know your financial capabilities you're not sure about you know what you could actually engage with in life and it's all because this person has learned how to disempower you and take away that sense of security that you should have in a healthy relationship. Healthy relationships, when they're thriving, you have this comfort zone in that relationship. You feel cocooned, you feel secure. And it's not that that person has to be there to rescue you all the time. But you've got that shoulder. You've got somebody who's got your back and you know that you can trust that person. So you're a team and that's the way that it should be. But when you're in an abusive relationship, your security, your sense of security in life is stripped away from you. So that's the big reason why women are held back from leaving these abusive relationships 
it's not normally one form of abuse that happens in a relationship. It's about disempowering you on every level. So there'll be isolation involved. You, you will be disconnected from your family. You will be disconnected from your friends. You will be disconnected from your work colleagues. That person will be controlling you so that you don't have support outside of the relationship and you're dependent on that person so these are some of the things but there's also financial abuse is a massive part 99% of women who are in abusive relationships are also financially abused wow. so they have they don't have the means to leave the relationship so they can't just pack up and say see you later Another reason is if they pack up and they say, see you later, the, their ex-partner is going to escalate the abuse and follow them to where they go and make a nightmare out of their lives until they wear them down and they bring them back into the relationship again. Really? It's So when somebody says, why doesn't she just leave? It's because it's not easy to leave and so women will bounce back to that person who has made them insecure because that person has established themselves as the thing that is going to give the woman the most security that they can have to survive in life and that's what their life is diminished to is just surviving day to day wow that's, that's so sad. I, I do have one client who's been in a situation that sounds a lot like this, but she's not being abused. But the, like the, all the ingredients are there that this could happen if, if he was that way, but it's taken her a long time, many years to have a sense of inner security. That's only really kind of, you know, like bold and growing right now. It's a long journey and it's, even harder, I would imagine next to impossible if you were in a situation where you were actively being abused to grow that sense of inner safety, inner security, and, and of course have the real security of finances and everything as well. Oh. It's, it, it does, it takes time and it takes support. So my primary messages are firstly to make sure that you put your safety first prioritize that as the top priority what do you need and it's safety feeling safe is not just about physical safety it's about your mental health right. so the second most important thing is you know make sure that you're getting the support you need to stay sane in your <laughs> situation yes. don't try and get through things on your own the last message underpinning one is that everything, no matter how challenging it might be, can be figureoutable when you are tapped into the right support. And knowing where to start to get support can often be a really challenging thing for women. They don't get help because they don't know where to get help from. What, what do you recommend? So I would recommend that a really good place to start is to have a conversation with your family doctor. Your family doctor is a great place to start to get some support and get some help. So the other thing that I, sometimes 
doing searches on digital searches on the internet can actually be a dangerous thing for women to do because if they're searching for things then their partner might look at what they're searching and then that could escalate things and and cause you know friction upset and volatility you know as a consequence of that so i would say if you're making digital searches perhaps go into either a library or go and see a friend and ask if you can use the friend's device to do your searches put in things like domestic violence support or family violence support there should be free online counseling support services there that you can tap into and that's a really good place to start is to have a conversation with somebody who's a counselor who works in that area of domestic violence and you can just have a chat to them and tell them about some of the things that are happening to you in your relationship and they have the experience because a lot of women who are in abusive relationships don't deem themselves to be in abusive relationships because when it comes to that psychological abuse, the financial abuse, it's often very, it's like that 50 shades of grey in, you know, it's very hard to distinguish and put a finger on it. If somebody's being physically abused, it's very clear cut, you know, yes, that should not be happening. You know, you somebody should not be physically harming you. It's very easy to make a call on that. But when it comes to psychological abuse, it might be having a conversation with somebody who is an expert in that area, like a domestic violence counsellor. And they will say, yep, yeah, these are all patterns of abusive relationships. So, and would you like some help from this point? So wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I'll add the, to the notes, the number that you can call here. I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm glad that you are doing well and all your children are doing well and thriving and that you get to share this message with so many people. I hope they go listen to your podcast, Tears, Tears and Triumphs. And I know you've got a website as well. How can they find your website? the key to be free so but just come to sandyj.com.au so my business name is the key to be free and i offer personal support services for for individuals to help them to become more free in their personal and their professional lives Wonderful. And I know you've got a really beautiful meditation that they can get as well. So I do. Yeah. I've got a a lovely guided meditation for love and abundance to draw more love into your life, to open up your heart more, to become more open to giving and receiving love in your life, which also leads to a much richer life on all levels. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you, Sandy. I'm so glad that you were here today. Appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate (laughs) you giving me the opportunity to have this beautiful conversation with you, Beth. Thank you.